Now, every home has one. And every home has someone who watches it, protects it, and rules over it with an iron fist. Maybe yours looks something like this. (laughs) Or maybe it looks something like this. Or maybe you grew up in a home and it looked a little something like this. (laughs) For some families, this monarchy was passed down from generation to, from father to son, from mother to daughter, from thermo dictator to thermo dictator. As we look at another humbling and exciting year and a challenging blank calendar, let me ask you, what are you setting the temperature of your expectations for this year? Will it be a red hot year of loving God? Or will it be a year of letting your spiritual temperature grow cold? John writes a message that's straight from Jesus. It's in the book of Revelation. And the reason it's called that is because it is a revelation straight from Jesus. And Jesus has a very specific uh, uh, note for a church called Laodicea that applies to churches today. This is in Revelation 3, 15 and 16. It says this. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot or cold or hot. I wish you were one or the other. Because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know where you're at, but if I could just tell you where I'm at so you can have your expectations for how we're gonna go about today, I am ready to turn the heat all the way up I am ready to be used. I am thrilled to receive the baton to lead faith promise to reaching 1% of Tennessee. Is anybody else excited about that at faith promise? Because at faith promise, we're called to reach 1% of Tennessee by equipping Christ followers. Are there any Christ followers, any of our campuses this weekend? Any Christ followers? Let me hear you. We're called to win the world by equipping you, Christ followers, to win your world so that we can reach 1% of the state of Tennessee and beyond. Just like dad has been equipping me for 34 years to run and stride towards what is next, we want to equip you to do the same. And not just this year, not just this moment, but from generation two. This is why we started the year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. Can I just tell you, this is a moment of grace, okay? And we wanna come along beside you. If you haven't joined us yet, for, or maybe this is your first time and you're a believer, you wanna jump on, we would love you to join us for the, the days of fasting or the Bible reading plan or the devotional. We want to help you take your next steps. Listen, if you messed up or you're not sure what your next step is, let us help you. This is why pretty much every week we have something called Next Step. This, is, this week is step two of Next Step to all of our campuses. It's going to be amazing, and we would love to have you there. I'm telling you, what is next for your walk with God and who is next for you to impact for eternity? We are so passionate about it. That's why last week we started with our number one value, which is we love God. We love God. And if you couldn't tell last weekend, pastor turned up the heat a little bit, all right? The message got hotter and it got longer with every service that we did. Rach and I were at the Bristol campus. Hey, Bristol, we were there. 
the last weekend, and uh, the, the last service starts at 1130. It's supposed to be over at 1230. Well, at 1231, pastor's still going strong. So we were laughing. But the reason it was like that is because we were talking about love God. And he just gets overwhelmed with his love for God. Does that ever happen to you? Are you ever overwhelmed with your love for God? This isn't something that's special for just pastors or grandparents or missionaries, but for anyone who will love him, put him first, and experience his love. And we want to help you be equipped to live in it. If you want to grow in your love for God, you can check out last weekend's message by Pastor Chris, or like we talked about in the hosting, the Purpose Podcast. We, we do that, just try to equip you for everything that God has in your purpose because God gives us clear ways to love him. Not only that, but he also gives us clear ways to see how, we, how well we are doing at loving him. I know at our house, we usually check the thermostat right before bed, you know, to see if it's in the right spot, right? If, it, if, it's a, if it's not too hot, not too cold, right? But let me ask you this. What degree, right? But Because God gives us a very clear way to check how we're loving him. And it's this. The degree in which we love people reveals the degree in which we love God. This is why at Faith Promise, our second value is we love people. We love people. And listen, when it comes to being at somebody's house, being a guest, how well do you have to know somebody before you're allowed to touch the thermostat, before you're allowed to change the temperature? Well, let me ask you, do you know and trust God enough to let him change the temperature of your love for people because he wants to today. Let's pray. God, we love you. And we ask that this weekend we're never the same. How arrogant and prideful would it be if we came into your presence, into your church, and we didn't expect to leave transformed? Transform us today. Transform our love for people. God, we're gonna have to be vulnerable. We're gonna have to be transparent. We're gonna have to be bold today. Holy Spirit, give us what we need to do what you say today. In your name we pray, amen, amen. Hey, I wanna welcome all of our campuses. We're so excited that you're here. If you're live online, God behind bars, if you're watching later, we are so excited about what God is doing in your life this year as we're pressing into passing the baton from generation to generation. Hey, when we love God the way that he's laid out in his word in scripture, we are moved to love people. This is why whenever you see our values, they're either in a flywheel or in the lobbies, they're arrows because they should move us. They are always moving us towards what is next for us to build a world-winning culture. And you may wonder, hey, is it possible to have this kind of culture, to love people this way? Is that, is that really possible? 100% it is absolutely. It actually happened in the life of a, of, a, of a God lover named Ezra. Ezra's in the Old Testament, and Ezra's love for people actually changed the temperature of everyone around him. I wanna read you just one example, just one example of what happened when people far from God got close to Ezra. Because we all know people who are far from God, but when they get close to us, they should experience God. In Ezra 10, verse one, it says this, while Ezra was praying and confessing, weeping and throwing himself down, that's passion, right? Throwing himself down before the house of God. It says a large crowd of Israelites, 
they gathered around him and they too, this is men, women, and children, they gathered around him and they too wept bitterly. Here's what's crazy, is Ezra was red hot. Ezra was following God. Ezra was praying for God for these people. He's, he's not the one cold and living in sin. He was begging God to love these people and begging these people to love God. Ezra was in the right. Ezra had the votes. Ezra had the moral high ground. So why is he weeping? Why is he publicly broken? Because when you love someone, you love what they love. When you love someone, you love what they love. Ezra loved God. And because he loved God, it broke his heart to see what mattered most to God, which is people so far from God and choosing to be so cold and to live in sin. What about us today? How do we respond to people far from God? Do we love them? I love what uh, Dr. Martin Luther King wrote. And if you wanna celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King, I'll give you a great way. On Monday, read, he, he, he wrote a letter from the Birmingham jail. And I think if you read that as a family, it'd really impact you. But let me read just a clip from that letter. It says, there was a time when the church was very powerful. In, in a time when early Christians rejoiced at being deemed worthy to suffer for what they believe. In those days, the church was not merely a thermometer that recorded the ideals and principles of popular opinion. It was a thermostat that transformed the mores of society. Things are different now. So often the contemporary church is weak, has an ineffectual voice with an uncertain sound. So often it's the arch defender of the status quo. What a challenging word for how we love people or how we don't love people. Matthew, who was a follower of Jesus, he records a time when People were asking Jesus about how they're supposed to love God and how they're supposed to love people. And he shares with a time when a lawyer asked Jesus about what was most important. It says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. He said the second one is like it. Some translations say the second is equal to. This is a big deal for Jesus. The second is to love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophet hang on these two commandments. Matthew, that's in Matthew 22. Listen, this is a hot take from Jesus. Jesus says the whole Bible, all of it, every bit of it, every word, all 66 books, the Old Testament, the New Testament, the things you understand, the things you don't, they all hang on these two commands. Sometimes I watch shows or movies with Rachel that I just don't understand, right? And I don't care for. But like I try to keep the main thing in mind. Okay, these two people, despite how much they hate each other right now, they're gonna love each other later, right? That's just what I gotta keep in mind. Right? Well, when you read this Bible and you get to Leviticus and it's like chloroform, it just puts you right to sleep. Or Deuteronomy and you're like, God in heaven, hallowed be your name. Well, the New Testament, come and save me. Right? I want you to remember all that hangs on 
Love God and love people. And no matter what you do, no matter what you believe, no matter what you feel that may contradict loving God or loving people, it is in contradiction with God's word. It's truly amazing how simple Jesus made this book, but how difficult it can be to live out every day. I mean, think about it. Think about the challenges that we're all facing, our world's facing, yet these two commands of loving God and loving people, they're the key to personal freedom, to relational restoration with your wife, your husband, with your kids, with that friend. Not to mention, they're the key to personal church and state revival. But what gets in our way? What distracts us? I believe in you. I believe you wanna love God and love people and walk in your purpose. I believe that you wanna win your world and you wanna pray over people and you wanna share your faith, but what stops us? I believe that God has a specific word for us this weekend that's gonna unlock your love for God and your love for people in a way that you've never experienced. But it will take some surrender on your part. It will take some vulnerability on your part. But I believe in you. And more importantly, God believes in you. He brought you to this moment for a specific reason. So let's start with me. I would suggest, I'd tell you, no question, this has been the most challenging season of my life. Growing into the role of leading Faith Promise, the pressures of staffing and budgets and the vision of reaching 1% of the state of Tennessee, which is 66,000 people and growing every day. And not to mention keeping family dynamics safe of leading strong but honoring dad. There's just all these complexities that come with passing the leadership baton. And the enemy started putting some questions in my mind. Do I have what it takes? Is the best really ahead? And then I would have this silly question come up from my childhood and it would be, have I peaked? Have I peaked? And the reason I would ask that is me and my brother Micah, we would have this joke. When somebody was really funny or somebody did something super athletic, we would laugh and be like, oh, they peaked. Like it's never gonna get better than that. And I just wanna tell you actually a quick story about when that came about. See, when we were growing up, we would have these family meetings and how we would do is we'd all pile in mom and dad's bed, right? And dad, dad or mom would talk to us about the trip or the, what, whatever we're about to do together as a family. And me and Micah were not very helpful, right? And this, we're like in like early high school. Me and Micah are too big to be in that bed, right? We're too big, right? We, we weren't fasting much, but we were Oreoing often, okay? So me and Micah are too big. We had decided we were gonna play a game and we were gonna take turns pulling some of dad's leg hair out. Yeah, that's what we did. And, and the person who pulled out last, when dad freaked out, that person lost. We played this game with dad all the time. He loved it. And so, and I knew I was gonna win because if you know my brother, he has to take it too far. He doesn't know how not to. So I just get to just watch. So my sister, who's the good child, she's laying in there, has my, her head on, on, on dad's leg, and we're talking and all this kind of stuff. So I reach up pluck a couple feathers out, and uh, I can see it in dad's eyes. When dad gets real angry, his eyes get squinty. He's at the Bristol campus right now. I'm sure I'll get a call after the service. Micah reaches up, grabs some more hair, pow. I can see dad's, dad's trying to get the family meeting over with. He doesn't like us in his bed either. And so I go pull some hair out. 
Well, Micah, obviously, my, you can see like when Micah gets excited, he just, he's just he's shaking. And so I can tell, oh, Micah's there. It's about to go down. So Micah reaches up right behind my sister's head and pulls what I would call a tuft of hair out. A lot of hair. Just pulls it. I mean, like his, he's showing me his feet, or he's pulling it away. His fingers are full of hair. Well, my dad... My dad, you know, he grew up, he was a boxer when he was younger. He was prepared and goes to punch my brother's hand, which we totally deserve. And the statutes of limitations are gone, so don't call DCS. So he goes to punch my, punch my brother's hands. And one of the best things that's ever happened to me happened. He punched my sister right in the head. It was <laughs> un, the only one who didn't deserve it. And my sister didn't play contact sports growing up. This was her first concussion. It was awesome. She's drooling. She won't be able to read for weeks. It was amazing. Me and Micah are dying. We've had tons of concussions. We know what happened. We're dying. Now dad feels bad. He's trying to apologize and beat us up. Me and Micah are walking out and we say, family meetings have peaked. <laughs> this is it. And that was our last family meeting, all right? <laughs> but hey, we asked that question. Has my marriage peaked? Has my career peaked? Has my walk with God peaked? Specifically for this weekend, has your love for people peaked? What is stopping you from loving people with all you have? People you like and people you don't like. I have an idea of what's holding us back because I believe it's the same thing that was holding me back from believing all God had for me and believing all God had for faith promise, which is you. Jesus said something very powerful that I bet all of us, Christians and non-Christians have heard, yet I don't think it's impacted us like Jesus wanted it to. In Mark 12, 31, Jesus says this, love your neighbor as, come on, love your neighbor as, according to Jesus, not new age, snowflake, Zach is soft. According to Jesus, the degree in which you love people is affected by the degree in which you love yourself. Now stay focused here. This is where you're gonna have to check your own thermostat. How do you view you? How do you love you? I read a real powerful book last year called The Power of One More. If you're a, a leader, if you just wanna go to new heights, it's a great book, The Power of One More by Ed Milet. And he introduced me to an idea of an identity thermostat. Identity thermostat. And just in case you don't know how a thermostat works, if you set a thermostat to 68 degrees, and it's 68 degrees in the room, and your kids leave the door open or open a window, and it's hotter than 68 degrees outside, that air comes in, the AC kicks on to try to bring that temperature of the room down to 68. Now, a lot of thermostat dictators in the room are squirming, thinking about paying for that AC, letting that precious Holy Spirit AC outside. But hey, let me ask you, what have you set your personal identity thermostat at? What have you said about yourself that you believe and you haven't let go of? What is that teacher or that friend or that spouse or that sibling, what have they said about you, even subconsciously, that you have believed and you, maybe, oh, you, you start walking with God, you start doing this, but then you find a way back to here. You start believing good stuff about yourself, you start losing weight, you start doing these things, but you find your way back here. This is why 70% of lottery winners are broke in five years. This is why a lot of us are on the fat loss yo-yo. It yanks us up and down and back and forth. 
This is why some of us struggle with keeping and getting out of and into toxic relationships that you know don't honor God or you. This is why some of us can't walk away from addictions like alcohol or pornography or whatever it might be. Your thermostat is set wrong. Where is your personal thermostat, your personal identity thermostat set? Is it set to the warming love and promises of God? Or is it set on the ice cold things that you have said and believe about yourself? Just because you said it doesn't mean it's true, right? Just because, hey, is it set on the ice cold things that other people have said about you? Just because somebody else said it doesn't mean it's true? Is it set on the ice cold thing that culture has spoken to you? You have to be this way. You have to look this way. You have to talk this way. Culture doesn't set truth. The God of truth does. More importantly than where your personal identity thermostat is set is who set your personal identity thermostat. Who set it? Now, we're going to get raw and real here this weekend. There's a note card in everybody's seat at all of our campuses. In a moment, I'm gonna ask you to write down the lie that you believe that's been holding you back from loving people. Oh, Pastor Zach, I thought today was about loving people and you know, like other people, not me. Well, the enemy has stopped us from loving others by keeping us from loving ourselves. Please stay zoned in, please don't miss this. Please be vulnerable. Please let God transform you today. What is the lie that you are believing that keeps you from loving yourself? Because that's what's keeping you from loving people. You may be able to fool the people around you and skip out on this reflection. You may be able to convince yourself that you can hold on to that lie or that you don't really believe it. And you can, you can fool yourself and you can fool the people around you. But can I remind you what Jesus says to his church in Revelation 3? Jesus says, I know. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were hot one or the other. And because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Some of you guys hear judgment in that verse. I hear grace. Because he said, I'm about to, not I'm going to. Church, shape up. Church, transform by being obedient this weekend. You will never live the life that God has planned for you until you let him set your identity thermostat. And that means surrendering and letting him in and letting those lies out. Listen, it's about to get real, listen. Either God's promises are yes and amen, either God's promises are true for you and others, or they're not true at all. You don't get to believe God's promises, his love, his grace, all these things about your kids and not about you. You don't get to believe them about your, uh, the other people around you and oh yeah, God's gonna bless them and God loves them and God forgives them, but not you. Either they are true for you and others or you don't believe them at all. Jesus said, hot or cold, in or out. I use this example with the staff. And it was really impactful. He's a rubber band. And some of us, we want to love people up here. We want to love them up here. I want to love people. I want to serve people. I want to care for people. I want to believe God's promises. I want to share my faith. I want to do all this stuff. But it's exhausting, right? 
It's exhausting, and we blame them. Oh, people are so, people are so, uh, they gossip, and they're mean, and all this kind of stuff. You want to know why it's hard? It's because you're trying to love them up here, but you love you down here. Let me tell you, your love for people will always clap back to how you love you. And can I take it back to the first value for here a second? If you want to lower yourself down here, you are lowering what God says about you. And you are trusting yourself over what God says about you. If you wanna live in this dichotomy, you wanna live in this discrepancy, mom and dad, and let your kids see that, gosh, there's just something untrue about this gospel. We don't have space for that. Either God's promises are true for those you love and you, well, not true at all. Let me ask you, what are you gonna pass on? What are you gonna pass on? What lives you believed that's kept you from loving you? We built in time to the service. I'm gonna stop for you to write that down. But hey, we're gonna take it to another level. You ready? You're not just gonna write down the lie you believed. It's big time. After you write it down during this next worship song, you're either gonna come up front to one of our, our prayer team members at every campus, or you're gonna grab somebody you came with, and you're going to speak that lie out loud. Here's what's gonna happen. Just a revelation God gave me for our staff, and we need it. Whenever you speak that lie out loud, you're gonna look in the eyes of another believer, and you're gonna watch how the Holy Spirit responds to that lie. It says in James 5, repent, or, Tell your sins one to another. We go to God for forgiveness and we go to each other for healing and it's time for healing. Amen, faith promise. It's time for us to be bold. You can do it. I believe in you. For some of us, this is gonna be the first time you've ever verbalized it. Transformation is on the other side of your sacrifice and your obedience. Let's never be the same. God will, let me promise you this, and I'm gonna pray. God will meet you at the level of your surrender in this moment. God, we come before you right now, and Holy Spirit, we're writing down the lies. <coughs> we're writing down the things that we believed. God, and we're gonna speak them out loud. Holy Spirit, I pray for transformation. I pray for boldness for people right now. They're writing down abuse. They're writing down lies that they believed about themselves for years, but God, today you are gonna bring freedom. Today you are gonna bring transformation. And after this, we will be able to pass from generation to generation, transformation, freedom, a true love for people that will lead to a revival across our state and beyond. But it starts with this moment. It starts with this next step. Move on us as we write these lies and we say them out loud. In your name we pray.